Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. Whenever I was going to church here and there, growing up in high school, middle school and all that, uh, we would always have, or every once in a while, we would have missionaries. You guys know that if you're the uh, church-going person you always have growing up, you know about the occasional missionary that comes and tells us what's happening on the other side of the world in their life. And um, I was always really impressed by those people and their godliness, actually. Whenever I would sit there and I would listen to them, me sitting in the pew, this person that just goes to algebra tomorrow morning, that's all that I know that's in my life, these people are telling me about how they got arrested by fake police, these people that are impersonating police over in Africa, or just some, some crazy story, all in the name of Jesus. And whenever I would listen to those stories, maybe you are in the same boat with me in this, that I was just so impressed, like, man, that person is godly. That person really represents Christ to the world that they are living in. And they really do just radically live for him in the context of their relationships and their friends around them. And, and so I would always just be so impressed with them and want to be like them. Uh, fast forward a few years, whenever I get into college, I was introduced to this guy. Um, and I started reading his, his journals. His name was Jim Elliott. And he was a missionary, like all these people I, I saw growing up and was really impressed by. Jim Elliott, he had these journals, and I used to read them. I still have the, the journal, like it's a compilation of all his journals. Um, and you could just get in the head of Jim Elliott, this missionary that ended up being uh, beheaded by the tribe that he actually went to go preach to. They literally took his head off and put it on a stake and he endured, he, he endured so much leading up to that, the ups and flows and the ups and downs of, of just uh, the, the hardships of ministry, the hardships of living for Jesus. And, and uh, so you just kind of get in the head of Jim Elliott as you're reading his journals. And I was always just so impressed by, man, this guy, this guy represents Christ to those around him. And everything that he does, he is just radiating the gospel out to everybody and uh, that's what we're called to. We're called to be like Jim Elliott and, and all those other people that spoke at my church whenever I was growing up. Uh, we're called to live radically in the context of the relationships that we have around us and the, and the people that we rub shoulders with day to day. We're called to live radically for him that as they see uh, the way that we live, they'd be like, wow, that person radiates their faith. They just represent Jesus and all that they do. They are just committed to this guy that uh, his name is Jesus. And, man, they do it with all their heart. That's what we're called to. We're called to be radical Christians, just passionate Christians in the context of our relationships. And, and that's what we're looking at in this sermon series, uh, it, following Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. If you haven't been around, we've been starting uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapter 5, and it goes through chapter 7. And we're just taking our time through it. Uh, this first sermon series is actually focused on Matthew chapter 5 alone, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. And because that first chapter really focuses on how we can live for him in the context of our relationships, relating with other people. And uh, it actually starts with, uh, this is kind of how he starts with how we can live for him in front of the people that are watching us, he starts with saying, it starts with your character, with who you are, your nature, 
what makes you, you. And, and if you can make that passionate for me, you uh, are blessed, he says. But it really starts with that. It starts with our character to be radical Christians in the context of our relationship. So let me start reading uh, what we looked at last week. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, When he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds that he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, he, his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them, saying, and it wasn't just the disciples. Chapter 7, we see the crowds were just fascinated by what he was saying. So he was teaching a lot of people these things, and it starts with a call to live radically for him in our character. It's called the Beatitudes, if you know that. Um, this is what we were looking at last week. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And we really kind of looked at all four of these characteristics, those who um, are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are humble, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we kind of lumped them all together in saying this, um, these together represent really this humble spirit in ourselves. So if, if we're looking at the characteristics of a Christian, we'd say the first four really are telling us to be humble people before God. And that's a calling on our character that other people would see us and say, wow, that is a, a humble, a passionate Christian um, because we are poor in spirit. We mourn our sins, we are humble, and we hunger and thirst for what is right, but we know that we are not good people. That's what we looked at last week. Now this week, I want to look at the next four. So let me read it, and we're going to take a look at them tonight. It says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And so if I were to lump these four together... The last four, right, were just this character of, of humility. Well, if I were to lump these four together, really, it's this idea of just taking on God's character, covering ourselves with who he is and, and making that who we are. I was actually in graduation, uh, if you guys saw Sarah and I walked this past week at graduation. Um, woo, yeah. And uh, the commencement speaker, I don't know if that's what it's called, commencement speaker, uh, he was talking about um, this analogy of uh, really what, what I'm talking about here. Uh, he used the analogy of a, of, a, of a lab coat. He's a doctor, and so uh, he said, okay, so uh, consider your life this white coat that you put on, this doctor's white coat. Um, and he said, really, there's two things. I'm breaking it down. I'm simplifying it. It was a long commencement speech. Trust me. I sat through it. Uh, but to boil it down, he's like, first you take the coat off and you lay it before God for without God you wouldn't have that coat in the first place. Humility, the first four. You lay the coat down and say, I wouldn't have this position, I wouldn't have this life without you. Lay it before God. And then the second thing was, he said, put it back on, knowing who gave it to you to represent him. The next four. So these two, uh, these eight, really, these eight characteristics, I think, boiled down um, are a call for us to radically represent him in being humble, knowing that we are not good without him, and then also putting on the coat and representing him to everybody that we can, bearing his character before them to put on the coat. And so uh, 
Simply put, those who bear his name bear his character. Those who bear his name bear his character. And so if you today would say that you represent Christ, you are a Christ follower, you are a Christian, then we are called to put on that coat. And we are called to represent him and to wear his robes of righteousness, to wear his robes of mercy, to be a follower of him, noticeably so, in how we live as we are trying to live like him. Put on his coat. And so um, breaking these down, I want us to really, I want you to join me in honestly asking ourselves, how well do we wear these four characteristics? How well do we actually wear, if I'm following the analogy, the coat of mercy for other people? How well do we put on his character of having a pure heart? How well do we really represent to the world around us his character in being a peacemaker? And how well do we put on the coat of him when it comes to being persecuted because of righteousness? How well do we put on his character? So I really want you to think about each one of those individually tonight as I race through them. Trust me, I'm going to try to really race through them. Um, But the first one is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So each one of these are definitely representations of a Christ follower. Uh, You're just looking at all of them. For they will be shown mercy, that's from God, they will be saved. For they will see God, they will have a relationship with him. For they will be called sons of God, and for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. These are all representations of, these are all descriptions of Christians And the first one is, we're called to bear his character in mercy, to be merciful. What is mercy? It's not just forgiveness. It's not just forgiving somebody, right? If you're thinking about it like I'm trying to be merciful, it's not just forgiving somebody. It's more than that. It's forgiving that person when they don't deserve it. To accept somebody when it is completely justifiable that you wouldn't accept them and that everybody else around you agrees they should not be accepted, you would say, I accept you. I forgive you. I love you. I'll take you in. It's these things when they do not deserve it, when it's completely justifiable to not do that. This is what mercy is. And we know that Christ is infinitely merciful for us because we do not deserve his love, yet he shows us mercy and love when we don't deserve it. So that's what mercy is. And uh, Paul kind of puts it to action, what it looks like in our lives in Romans 12, uh, just really the whole chapter, but to break it down very quickly. uh, He says in verse 8, show mercy with cheerfulness. So, So show this person love when they definitely don't deserve it and not only do that but do it cheerfully lovingly when everyone else is saying why in the world would you accept that person to take that person in after what they've done to you it's completely reasonable for you to turn away from them and not look at them and accept them and love them why aren't you doing that that you should do that and do it cheerfully this is what Paul calls us to uh, when it comes to mercy in action Continue thinking with me. How well do I wear the coat of mercy? The characteristic that God has shown to us and therefore we should show to other people as his representative. How well do I represent mercy to other people? We can keep going in Romans 12. It says in verse 12, 
That we should be patient in our afflictions. This is being merciful to somebody that is continually egging you on, going on and on, and you're being afflicted, and you're being patient during it, enduring of it. In verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you, those who harm you, those who make fun of you, those who are mean to you and are rude to you. That we shouldn't just brush it off, but this is, this is a call. Look at this. This is a call that we should pray blessings over that person. That we shouldn't just say, yeah, we're good, we're even. But no, it goes beyond that and says, I want to, I want to pray favor for you. I want to get the best for you that I could. This is mercy in action. How well do we wear that coat? He says to bless those who persecute you. This is mercy. Verse 16, it says associate with the lowly. And I want to make mention here, this is not just those who are lowly because of external circumstances that had nothing to do with them and what they did to themselves. This, is, this isn't just talking about the widow that now has no money and really needs some help and so we can go help her and she didn't do anything to deserve it and she's really in this hard spot but she, you know, she's such a sweet lady. No, no, this includes, this is not segregating against those people who deserve and they're doing it to themselves to put themselves in a lowly position. This is a person that is the drug addict that it's completely up to their decision that they did it, that they're now out on the street with a cardboard sign and is undeniably their fault. I'm not saying that's everybody that's out on the streets, but that person even is lowly, and it says to associate with them, to love them. The person that maybe is in your family and they keep going back to the same mistake over and over and over and over again and they won't learn and they won't change this person that is doing it to themselves and they're putting themselves in this horrible position of life now. We are called to associate with them. This is mercy in action. How well do we put that coat on? It says to, in verse 19 to not avenge ourselves to look to God for that, that we shouldn't fight for ourselves and that say in, in, in all the things that happen to us. This is mercy. And then he says in verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. The person that wrongs you more than anyone else, the person that their greatest desire is your detriment, the person that is out to get you intentionally because they don't like you, that person we're called to seek out their greatest desires and make it happen if we can. This is mercy. This is mercy, a character of God that is shown so beautifully to us in the most perfect way. And therefore we radiate it in a radical way in the context of our relationship, showing mercy to people. How well do we wear that coat? Uh, it's important because we read in Matthew chapter 6. If you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. There's this deep tie to if you really are forgiven by God, if you really are a Christian, we are called to forgive others. This is a character of somebody that is bearing his name. They bear his character of mercy. And it's only possible because we have first seen his mercy for us, so that we can be merciful for others. He has given us the greatest example, the greatest demonstration, the greatest model of mercy that we could therefore 
shows such incredible mercy to other people. That's the first one. So ask yourself, how well do I do that? Do I, have I put on that coat well enough? The second one is that we are to be pure in heart. He says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God the problem is that I try to talk about this every single week, that we are not pure in heart, are we? We desperately need God, and this is the essence of the gospel, that if we don't realize that, that we are not pure in heart, that we need a Savior, we need a God to give us salvation, to give us his righteousness, then we don't understand Christianity at all. You have to understand that we are not pure in heart. So why would he put that expectation on us? We see later in Matthew chapter 15, it says, what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. Now get this, this is verse 19, okay? Matthew 15, 19, it says, this is a description of our hearts, your heart and my heart, everybody's heart. This is what our heart is made of. It says, for from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immoralities, theft, false testimonies, and slander. We can give ourselves a round of applause because we are great. That is our heart. We're not pure of heart, so why has he called us to be pure of heart, to wear this coat that he can and we cannot? Well, it's only by his doing that he would give us that coat. He would give us his purity of heart, his pure heart. See in Ezekiel, trying to fly through this, uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you, this is God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Our pure heart is not our own actions. It's by the act of God. He says, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is fully his action. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. This is God giving us the ability to have a pure heart. And when he does that, our convictions grow about old habits. They, they start to wrestle in our hearts the things that we used to do the things that you struggle with in this pure heart that he would give you this new spirit that he would implant into you now you start to have this conviction about things that you used to do all the time lusting we now start to honor that person and, and look at them in an honorable way in a loving way this is the spirit that he puts in us this pure heart this purity that he sinks within us where when we might have cheated on tests, or cut corners every chance we got. Now there's this conviction of honesty and hard work and working for it rather than cheating. And it's, when we do cheat, there's this conviction, this reality, this impressing on us that this is not who I'm supposed to be. We're not joining everybody else when they are doing what the world is doing. The pure heart that he puts in us says, no, I, I can't follow that. How well do we put on the coat of being pure of heart? How well do you? How well do I? I struggle with it a lot. But it's a character that he called us to, and it's a testament to other people watching us. The, pure of heart, the purity of heart that we have is a testament to other people of our radical relationship with him, the radical commitment that we have to God if we are not representing pure hearts, hearts that care about honesty rather than cheating, and other people see that, they will see whether or not we are radical for him, our deep passion for him, how deep it actually resides. In a world of impure hearts, we are people that are called to be abnormally 
pure. Abnormally pure. Passionate about it. We have to ask ourselves, how well does that represent us? The, the next one is peacemakers. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. These are people of God, you and I. Two things, let me say about peacemakers. The first one is that uh, it, we aren't people that just want peace. I want you to get this. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you just want peace. It means that you're an activist for peace. Peacemaker, not just somebody that desires for peace to happen, that you really would prefer peace, but it is that you fight for peace. If you think about Jesus in the garden with Peter, you guys all know the story I'm talking about. They come to arrest Jesus, and they, they come with guards and spears and, and pitchforks and, and fire, and they come to take Jesus. And, and the disciples, they all know, if you're tracking with me this story, the disciples, they all know what's about to happen. It's not hard to guess what's going to transpire now. They're taking Jesus to his likely death in the near future. And who knows what Peter does? Anyone? What does Peter do? Just to fight him back, right? Yeah, are you going to say that? That ear? Yeah. Who's the, who's the instrumental guy that uh, got his ear cut off or doesn't have an ear? <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Sorry. I, what is it? Van Gogh. Sorry, I am so far off topic right now, but I was just thinking about that. Doesn't Van Gogh, didn't he only have one ear? Man, guys, I'm sorry. I should not be getting so off topic here. Track with me. I'm still talking about being peacemakers. So we're in the garden with the disciples and Jesus. Guards come with pitchforks and fire. Now everyone's talking about Van Gogh. Oh, great. The guards come and Peter cuts off a guard's ear. How could you not, right? How could you not desire to fight for your friend for the one that you know to be your Lord and Savior, to fight for him because you know his death is coming near if they take him. So he fights for him. It only makes sense. But Jesus corrects him. Why? Because Jesus is a peacemaker. He doesn't only desire for peace. He doesn't only wish that peace would happen, but he's an activist for peace. And it actually ends up leading to him dying actually does happen. They, they would have been right to assume that that's what would happen. They take Jesus, and because he's a peacemaker, he's a, he allows it, and it actually leads to his death, which leads me to the second thing I want to say about being a peacemaker. Not only is it people that are activists for peace, but it also means volunteering to be hurt in the name of peace. If that means that peace would happen between you and I or other people, and that I have to step in the way and take a bullet for it, that's what it might take, and that's what peacemakers are called to do. Jesus is the perfect example of it, right? I mean, he takes the cross on so that peace could happen between God and us. He volunteered to be the one that would hurt so that other people could experience peace. That is what being a peacemaker means. And how well are we vo willing to volunteer ourselves when it comes to being hurt for the sake of other people experiencing peace? Are we willing to do that? How well do we put that coat on? When it comes to disagreements in our relationships, are we willing to 
set aside what we think is right and making our point known? Are we willing to set that aside for the sake of the relationship and for the sake of peace in the relationship? Do we care more about our point being made? Just think about yourself. Do you care more about your point being made or do you care more about the peace and the relationship and the love? Sarah and I wrestle with this every day. But because we care more about the relationship, because we care about more the other person, we're willing to set aside, even though I have a great point, I always do. I mean, even though she isn't right most of the time. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. No, we, we fight for peace before we fight for our point. But that is what we're called to do. And so if that isn't you, I would challenge you to put on the coat of peace, being a peacemaker and voluntarily taking the pain that might be associated with being an activist for peace. The last one, uh, and I'm going to breeze through this, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. I think we need to hear this more, so I want you to hear this, please. So just hone in on me here. We need to hear this more. We are called to pursue God, not comfort, because they rarely go hand in hand. Let me say that again. We are called to pursue God rather than comfort because they rarely go hand in hand. Christians, please hear that. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, who pursue righteousness and are therefore persecuted for it. If you want to see this in Scripture, you can read the book of Philippians. Um, and then also 1 Peter has uh, a few verses in it that are really powerful. Chapter 2, verse 20 says, For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten for it, you endure it? But when you do what is good and you suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. When you do good and suffer and you endure it, this brings favor with God. We are called to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness. You can see it also in chapter 4, verse 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him, be, let him glorify God in having that name. As we represent him, as we take on his righteousness, anticipate being persecuted for it, because that is the coat that we are called to bear as he bore that coat. When he was on the cross. So that's, that's the passage for tonight. We're called to take on his character, his nature. And so if you are a person that follows God, you are a person that calls yourself a Christian, I want you to genuinely please hear me and actually think with me how well do I put on the coat of his character? How well do I represent mercy for other people? How well do I pursue having a pure heart like he does? How much am I a peacemaker? And how willing am I to pursue persecution? How willing am I to endure persecution for the sake of righteousness? If you bear his name, bear his character. That's what we're called to do. If you bear his name, bear his character. We can't just be lucky recipients of his mercy. We can't just admire his pure heart. We can't just be thankful for him giving up his life for our peace. We can't just appreciate that he was persecuted for us 
It's an extra step that we also should follow him in that. And we should join him in that. We should give mercy to other people. We should strive for a pure heart with him. We should be activists for peace. And we should embrace persecution for the sake of righteousness with Christ. We can't just appreciate that he has that and he wears that robe. But we should also join him in that no matter what affliction might come because of that. If you bear his name, bear his character. And this is the cost of being a recipient of him. So my last thoughts, as I think about Jim Elliot and the godly man that he was, the admirable man that he was, I can see that he radiated Christ. He represented Christ in a radical way in the relationships that he had. I want to challenge you to be like him. Every day, I want to be like him. I want to be a radical representation of Christ, mirroring his character and his nature to all people in an abnormal way where people would be blown away by it. I want my radical commitment to him, my radical love for him to be a witness to the relationships that I have. And if you don't, I would challenge you to work at that. If you bear his name, to fight for bearing his character, to wear his character, to wrap yourself in his nature. I challenge you to do that because that's what you're called to. That's what I'm called to. We should live every day fighting for that. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.